Hello again. Just a little reminder, if you have not got around to it yet, please do drop onto the website survey.thebethel.org so that we can get your views and opinions on this podcast and help us plan for the future. Thank you very much. And apologies for the slight insult. Our kids were cringing at it. Why are you putting that There is a reason for this greeting. It's how we are. I should have got past that. 
That was the table yesterday. Uh, that's quite an organised version. Before I took a photo, I thought it would tidy up a little bit. I know I knew what I should do, which was pray. I tried to pray, and I was praying. I didn't feel comfortable doing that almost because I'm in a mess. But as I was praying, I was at least reminding myself that I was talking to my creator, the creator of everything. And I thought about the fact that God's described as a potter. And it gave me some comfort, actually, that pottery, making pots, is a messy process, isn't it? You get loads of water and loads of clay, which is earth and mud and basic stuff, isn't it? And you start splodging it onto something wheels going around. A few times I've done it, it's not going to stay where it's supposed to. You're prodding it and pressing it and squeezing it and shaping something out of that pottery. So the process of creation that God alludes to in us and in everything around us is quite a messy process. The whole world is in a mess, but it's still God's creation. It's in this prodding and poking and squeezing process until God is all and in all. So perhaps I shouldn't beat myself up too much about the state that I was in. My baptism was by no means a culmination of my spiritual life. It was a birth, wasn't it? It was a start. And creation, 6,000 years ago, Whenever creation happened, it wasn't a culmination of all of God's plan. It was a start. It was a birth in the world. It wasn't a mistake. God said, when he made everything, everything is good. He looked at it and stopped and said, everything is good. It wasn't a mistake that needed fixing at that stage. A plan A that was destined to go wrong because man was going to mess it up and then God was going to say, wasn't as good as I thought it was, I need to go and fix it, come up with a plan B. Shored up and repaired with Jesus. Creation was always intended to be a messy process. Living is a messy process. And that's the point, we're still on God's plan A. And I have to convince myself, and I want to convince you, if you're not already, that we are all still part of God's plan A. Even when we mess up, even when we do the things that we least want to do in our lives, God is taking all this messiness that is a requirement of free will, free will that, that love can flourish in. He takes all this messiness, he works it into his creation, into the, the canvas of the world to make his masterpiece. Jesus, in the time that he was on earth, in the 33 years, time that he has been in our lives gives us a glimpse of this big masterpiece that's in the big picture. Through parables, and we're told parables, we're told in Matthew 30, I'm sorry, I'm sure it's a projector, this is a messy setup as well, it's okay. Jesus did not say anything to them, it says in Matthew 30, without using a parable. It's a parable, it's a picture, it's an illustration, it's a snippet, isn't it? An image. It's a way of looking at God's big creation through the lens of Jesus. But 
look at this. So was fulfilled. This is directly after this one. So was fulfilled. What was spoken to the prophet? I will open my mouth. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things hidden since the creation of the earth. So he's just uttering thousands of years later things that God had planned into his creation. He's not fixing it and changing it in any way. He's just exposing a bit more of God's masterpiece through the parables and the illustrations and the way that he works with the people back in Bible times and through his work. Plan A is about us becoming closer to Jesus. And it might take time for us to have what the master plan looks like, what the masterpiece looks like in our life. Does this make any sense to God's creation looks messy, but it is glorious. Our lives look messy, but the final picture is going to be. First song is just as I am, without one plea, but in your blood was shed for me. That you bid me come to you, O Lamb of God. I come just as I am. Messy, confused, challenged, bad today. As you are today, that's how we approach Heaven Father and Jesus. Father, I do believe, but I pray that you help when I struggle to believe. I pray that you help me now to just focus on you and your son Jesus and to use this time in an otherwise messy week to see a little bit more of your picture your great master plan, the masterpiece. In Jesus. And to see a little bit more of Jesus in the bread and the wine that we share. In the fellowship that we enjoy. In the friendship that we value. Lord, just help us to focus on you. And to peel back the soundproofing of our lives that makes it hard to hear you sometimes. And just listen to what you have for us. Father, people who keep us close to you in Jesus. Just stay standing, please, because we're going to uh, sing another song. In a minute, we're going to have some examples of people who have passed up lives, and one of them is Peter. And this hymn that we're singing together now. Oceans. It's all about Peter's challenge. It's all about our challenge of going from great heights of faith as he stepped out onto the water to our lowest points of lack of faith as he started to sink, knowing that he could reach out to his loved one to save him. So that's it. Oceans. It's one of today's readings, and it just happens to fit. After I've sort of gathered some thoughts together, uh, I'm just I'm going to ask you what you think the summary of the chapter is. When it's ready. Psalm forty-nine. 
Hear this, all you creatures. Listen, all who live in this world, both low and high, rich and poor alike. My mouth will speak words of wisdom. The utterance from my heart will give understanding. I will turn my ear to a proverb. With a heart, I will expound my riddle. Why should I fear when evil days come, when wicked deceivers surround me? Those who trust in their wealth and boast of their great riches. No man can redeem the life of another or give to God a ransom for him. The ransom for a life is costly. No payment is ever enough. But he should live on forever and not see decay. For all can see that wise men die, the foolish and the senseless alike perish and leave their wealth to others. Their tombs will remain their houses forever, their dwellings for endless generations, though they have named lands after themselves. But man, despite his riches, does not endure. He is like the beasts that perish. This is the fate of those who trust in themselves and of their followers who approve their sayings. Like sheep, they are destined for the grave, and death will feed on them. The upright will rule over them in the morning. Their forms will decay in the grave, far from their princely mansions. But God will redeem my life from the grave. He will surely take me to himself. Do not be overawed when a man grows rich, when the splendour of his house increases, for he will take nothing with him when he dies. His splendour will not descend with him, though while he lived he counted himself blessed, <coughs> and men praised him when he prospered. He will join the generation of his fathers who will never see the light of life. A man who has riches without understanding is like the beasts that perish. Online or what that's about. That's cheating because he's getting a phone call. So you trust in God and not in riches. So this is Richard. Yeah, in the end, in the coffin, the message has a really good version of this. To read. Yeah, Andrew. No. The message says that um, everybody put their place in the coffin in the graveyard or something like that. Steve, death. Death is in the end. There's a, there's a reason why that's significant in the universe. So I'm going to tell you what I took out of this chapter. Why should I be scared? We saw that, but the actual words I why should I be scared when my life looks a mess compared with other people's? Even the wealthy and those who look like they've got resources can't pay God to ransom their lives. But because I believe, God will take my messy life and turn it into a masterpiece for his own. A lot in that chapter around rich people and how we can't take it with them, but it's not our message, the message, the key bits of the message is that God is redeeming 
masculine for me. He takes us to himself. Sang in Ocean's about one of Peter's highest points, stepping out in faith in the boat, and one of his lowest points, sinking in fear and having to reach out to Jesus in front of him. Who, who identifies with that? Be juxtaposition, a, a crashing together of real high moments and real low moments right next to each other. And even if they're not next to each other, you can, you can see them as you look back on your life, I think. This wasn't even Peter's highest or lowest point. He was one of the first disciples called, that in which gospel do you believe the first or the, or the second? He confesses Jesus before anyone else as the Messiah. He's at the transfiguration, seeing great prophets of old in the flesh. And yet he has the battles about the inclusion of the Gentiles. And yet he thrusts out and cuts off the ear of a servant of the high priest when Jesus is taken. And yet, like all the other disciples, he falls asleep in Gethsemane when Jesus is at his lowest ebb and asks them to be in fellowship with him. And yet, he denies all knowledge of Jesus three times after being told he's going to do it, after saying, don't be too ridiculous, I will die for you, Jesus. He still does it. What a mess. What a mess of faith. And yet, Jesus describes him as the rock on which the church will be built. It's not complicated theology, is it? It's just amazing that this person who feels in so many ways like us in the, the challenges that he faced, in fact, he feels so much better in some ways because he shows how he feels and he, he's passionate and excited about being around the Lord Jesus and yet he can't even confess to knowing him things that's all wrong. Actually, this person Jesus chooses to be the rock on which the church is built on, his body is built. I just wanted to think about two women in the Bible as well, Rahab and Mary Magdalene, because they are just as profound a picture. Rahab is described <coughs> as a prostitute. She's not described as an ex-prostitute or a reformed prostitute or a you know, I've found the Lord and I'm okay now, person. She is described as a prostitute. Could life be any more messy for Rahab in Jericho at the time that the Israelites are coming in to take over the city? And yet somehow she is, she has the insight to be the only one, as far as we know, in the whole of Jericho who recognises the true God of the Israelites. She gets mentioned in James, who points out that she not only has faith, but she acts on her faith and does something about how she takes a great risk with hiding the spies on the roof of her house under the flats. In the psalm, she's described as an adopted Jew. She becomes the mother, or the grandmother, or the great-grandmother, depending on what you believe, of Boaz. She's in the lineage of Jesus. What masterpiece! Out of a mess. 
God chooses the most unlikely people, doesn't he? To become the core of the, of the masterpiece, the central pieces of the picture that he's painting throughout all of his creation until he's all in all. And Mary Magdalene would say, in modern terms, she had some mental health issues. The way they described it then, she had seven demons cast out of her. This is not minor issues, this is someone who is in a mess. Judah's comments at Bethany suggest that she's kind of tolerated by the disciples a little bit. Her behaviour is a bit odd, not just when she's watching Jesus speak. Her life has been a mess, and yet she's the one who gets down on her knees and anoints Jesus' feet before he's about to go to his crucifixion. She is the one who's at the foot of the cross, or one of the ones at the foot of the cross, where the disciples are all gone. She's the one who's gone to anoint Jesus at the table when the disciples are hiding in a room, scared. She's the first human, as far as we know, to meet the risen Lord Jesus, who chooses to tell her and tells her they don't believe it. What a masterpiece out of a mess. I'm making some sense. I'm checking because I'm struggling to make sense myself some of the time. So, with our church here, can feel a bit messy sometimes, can't it? There are times when it feels like, I mean, it's not like Corinthian church, perhaps. As bad as that. I've not seen people getting drunk in the main service, I've not heard of some of the issues that the Corinthians were facing and all these people. But there are some challenges in this church, and goodness me, you know, for the individuals in this church, there are some enormous challenges that people face that make lives very messy, that make this church messy. But we're accepted. Because the whole point of the creation, the whole point of God bringing us to this place, and putting us in a room together, is that we form a part of the masterpiece that we can't even begin to grasp at the moment. Before we share this meal together, I'd really like us to just sing this song, just to close the book. And uh, it's particularly the third verse that I want us to focus on. If I fought at all, who cares? Who with me my burden shares? None but thee, good Lord. I thank you for the hope that you give us. Um, thank you for um, helping us to have a glimpse of the fullness of all parts of our own little messy lives. Jesus, thank you that even though we are messed up, you want us to share this meal with you. You asked us to share a little bit of bread. And it's not a hard thing, it's not a horrible thing, it tastes good. And it's just a simple reminder of the amazing love and grace that you've shared. And then for us so that we understand that you want us to be. 
No one can redeem the life of another or give God a ransom for them. No payment is ever enough, but God will redeem me from the realms of the dead. He will surely take me to himself. As we spend a few moments aside from the messy world in which we live, we come to reflect on your great love for us, the plain purpose that you have with mankind and us, that he was not with the getting to one at the beginning, it was Yet you put in place a plan that would redeem us to put us back on the path towards righteousness that we can have a closer look and relationship. Psalm again, God will redeem me from the realms of the dead, he will surely take me to himself. Would you think of Corinthian church where they were asking them to be the right leaders for what they should follow? There was sexual immorality, even incest. Drunk at the Lord's meal. There were arguments, there was dodgy teaching, there was misuse spirit gifts. People were misappropriating funds from the collection. <clears throat> and yet, Paul keeps writing, keeps visiting, thanks them for their repentance, keeps 
keeps challenging them to become more Christ-like. Because Paul knows, as the Corinthians must have learned, as we have to learn, that God's grace is unlimited. His arms reach out to us in whatever mess we're in. His grace extends to a wretch like me, who once was blind, but now I see. Let's sing this together. Uh, watch a small film, and then we're going to sing a closing hymn together, which sums it up for me. And then Steve's going to come and close in prayer for us. Father, Lord Jesus, we we address you now. My prayer for this church and our prayer for each other is that we might encounter you this week. Some of us might just need a nod from you. Some of us might need an arm around us. Some of us might need your hand to hold us up. Some of us might need to just sit and listen to you. Some of us might need to be reminded of your acceptance of us. Father, whatever encounter we need, I pray that you provide it. And in doing so, and in that moment, we will acknowledge you. Lord Jesus, we long for that encounter with you when the trumpet sounds and you return kingdom comes so much closer. It's hard to imagine and express in words how we feel and how that will be, but we long for it. Father, we pray that it will soon come. And in our weakness, you continue to be strong. 